Welcome to the show. In this one, I talk to Matt Eastman, an entrepreneur and a businessman. Over the years, he's created a number of companies. An inflatable party rental business called Tons of Fun, a hockey blade protector business called Hockey Wraparound, and a sunglasses business called Team Clicks. But before all that, he was the most business-minded manager at the Diamond Center Borderline, an Alaskan snow and skate shop that supported the scene from 1989 to 2006. From 1997 to 2004, Matt embodied so much of what makes a great leader. He was supportive, empathetic, passionate, and creative. And he was a great salesman. He helped turn Borderline from a strictly core shop that intimidated a lot of customers to a more inviting one. He was there throughout so many of the growing pains and the shenanigans. And he was truly able to find a balance between the pranks and the playfulness and running a business. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the Crude Magazine Patreon subscribers. If you already subscribe to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. For those listeners who aren't, please consider subscribing at patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine and pick the subscription tier that works for you. I want to thank everyone subscribed at the Company Man tier. These are the people who have subscribed to the Crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber, Seward Brewing Company, The Grind Coffee Shop in Juneau, Derek Adolph, Sharon Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, Aquila Space, and Northern Knives. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. Your money and your support make these conversations possible. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. That's buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. And if you have a chance to rate or review Crude Conversations on Apple Podcasts, please do. Also, you can now get crude apparel and merchandise at Public. From t-shirts, to hoodies, to stickers, and even baby onesies. Just go to the Crude Instagram and click the link in the bio. Okay, back to Matt Eastman. He says he remembers those old borderline days, and he thinks about them all the time. He remembers how employees were given $50 for catching thieves, and how that resulted in chasing people through the mall and fistfights. He remembers chain stores moving into the mall and how they would try to poach borderline employees without understanding that their work life and their social life was tied to the culture created by the shop. He remembers the video premieres and how borderline staff and borderline team riders were the rock stars of their day. He says that at its core, borderline was a work family. And in some cases, this work family would go beyond what was expected to support each other. So here he is, Matt Eastman. (laughs) This red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk. Go to work! I remember when you were losing your hair. And of course, everyone 
was taking jabs at you at borderline. So you just <laughs> bicked your head, you know, you shaved it down to the scalp and you came into work the next day and everyone was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That looks pretty good. And <laughs> that was the end of it. You know, to this day, I remember. Were you there that night? I don't think I was there that night. I was there that day. I was, I was pretty young at that point. Oh yeah. I guess I, I got to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause D's was there. Okay. <laughs> Deez and I were at a, some party and I remember we were a little bit faded and then he was talking trash about me losing my hair and I go, you know what? Fuck it. Let's shave it. <laughs> and he goes, for real? And he got that D's look on his face, that, that, uh, that shit eating grin that he's uh, well known for. And he's like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> Next thing you know, I had my head shaved and I was like, all right, now the night can continue. <laughs> that's awesome you know that's that's that was legitimately the reason why when i started to lose my hair and i'm like i feel like i'm kind of at the very onset like if there's like four stages of losing your hair <laughs> i'm at like one and a half <laughs> and and i just shaved it you know because i was thinking of you and that moment of you know, we all talk so much shit to each other, kind of like out of camaraderie. Oh, for but sure. But you just, it, I've never seen anything like it before or since where you're just like, <laughs> fuck it, I'm shaving my head. And then all the shit talking just stopped. And and I <laughs> and I think I witnessed, because I wasn't there that night because I was really young, but I was there at Borderline the day before, you know, when people were kind of giving you crap. Yeah. And and then the next day you showed up and you had just no hair and everyone was like, oh okay. And then like then it was it was like <laughs> they completely pivoted and started talking about something totally different. It's like, okay, we're done with that. Of course. I mean you gotta find the things that like matter. Like the the nickname that you hate. Yeah. <laughs> that lives on in infamy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it uh in that like I gotta I gotta preface this is that some of these stories I'm sure are not gonna be a hundred percent accurate, but they're how I kind of remember them. Like uh like they're not lies, but they, I just like maybe I didn't recall it the same way. Because remember the twenties were or my twenties were we were we were hitting pretty hard. <laughs> and uh I remember like Ginsu, that guy Mike uh I can't even remember his last name, Mike Ginsu. They called him Ginsu because he pulled a knife on somebody and like he was just like fucking ginsu like why do they keep calling me ginsu i was like because you pulled a knife on a dude <laughs> <laughs> i think it might have been like a kitchen knife even and like it, like the clowning is just like like it's non-stop yeah. and like as soon as you like i i can still remember jason borgstead and stan trying to clown me super hard and borgstead was coming with some some bangers and all i could hear was stan just giggling at me and laughing and laughing. I was like, look at you two. You guys are a bunch of clowns. You got your giggler behind you. Like your jokes are only funny if you have a laugher. And then it was just like, right, yeah, okay. And Borgstead might remember it completely different. And uh, But I remember after that, that was kind of the thing. Is like, all you need is a laugher. Like, what do you need? Oh, your joke's hilarious? Well, you don't have a laugher, so it's not funny. And then... <laughs> you know what's funny is... I texted a bunch of people to see if they had any questions for you. And <laughs> and that was one of the things that Borgstead brought up is having a laugher. He's like, you got to ask him about that because, <laughs> you know, Stan was his, uh, his peanut gallery, you know? 
for sure. He would be the guy going, oh, I mean, it would hurt. <laughs> that would sting because there's nothing you can say to that. What do you say? Yeah. Like, you're, you're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dan was brutal because his, his laugh was just a piercing. I mean, it got to your soul. You know, I think... I think that I remember Stan. I know I remember him, um, but I was super young when yeah, it was you Borgstead and Stan working at Borderline. Oh, it was it was the worst, but the best. <laughs> it was the worst, but it was the best. It really was because if they weren't if they weren't chirping at you, it was the best. But as soon as they like turned their head and heard your voice, it was like Jurassic Park, and you're like, just get down. <laughs> just get down if they don't notice you you're not gonna die <laughs> it, it was it was the absolute worst because as soon as they turned to you it's just like non-stop and like some of the jokes were just like oh that's a that one sucked yeah but if you had a laugher it, it made it gold and it was just <laughs> i can still remember they there was a guy rob that worked there and i know borg said i remember this but borg was just laying into him i mean like hard and i think he and again this might not be accurate but i think he quit the next day like he just didn't show up oh okay and uh and, and i think that we they caught him like stealing something or something but he just didn't show up again and borg's like yeah well that's that's what happens you can't handle it you gotta go <laughs> i mean again it might be comp not accurate the statement but like it was it was something like that i remember him and then rob just never showed up again ever like, I think he left an iPad or CDs or not iPad, iPod or CDs there and just never came back to get them ever. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that there were so many moments where, you know, later in my life when I wasn't in Alaska, wasn't at Borderline, when I would uh, kind of go back to that, that shit talking and I realized like, oh, this isn't, this isn't okay in this situation. This isn't... <laughs> This isn't okay around these people. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. Because when I when I went to school in Colorado, it was a bunch of farm kids, and I started like you know clowning them, and they're like, "Why are you saying these things?" I'm like, "Oh, well, <laughs> like that wasn't trying to hurt your feelings. It's just you know it's what we do." Yeah, it's your turn now. <laughs> yeah, no, come back with something, and they're like, "Yeah, you're." You're bald. I'm like, I've been bald for years. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, come on, man. But like with Borg, it was like steel sharpening steel. Yeah. No, I think that, I think that gave us thick skin, you know? And then, and then when we were, when we got adjusted because we we're a little maladjusted for the, for the actual <laughs> world. And it's then like once we got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then once we adjusted to the world, I think that it's really hard to like hurt my feelings now, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, you can't hurt. It's like not much there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best you came with. That's like what you're, that's like your go-to, but then you're also so cynical of people. You don't know if they're like really complimenting you or if they're talking trash. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, one of the, the stories that Borgstead brought up was the first time you came in or the, when you, when you first started at borderline and they invited you to Hatcher pass. Do you remember that? Oh, Oh my God. You should even go back further than that. 
like the first time I go to meet, like go into Borderland, I just moved to Alaska and I go in, I'm like, all right, I worked at a snowboard shop in California. I should probably get a job at a snowboard shop here. And I remember walking in and Borgstead was there and I was just trying to make some conversation about like new technology was out. The K2 clickers had just come out mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, what do you guys know about the K2 clickers? And he goes, what the fuck? <laughs> and it was, I think he was, there was like three girls. I, and I, again, this is kind of cloudy, but there was like three girls or maybe some skate team guys were there. And it was just definitely like everyone turned their head like the record scratch. Like, who the fuck is this kid? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was so i was like oh okay so I like there was definitely i was not welcomed there and i think that that uh that sentiment was like rang across a lot of people that went to borderline for the first time that they were on the outside looking in and they never wanted to go back but they did want to go back to kind of get like earn the respect of the team or like be familiar you know it's like mm-hmm. i don't know like there was definitely kids that would never walk back into borderline or there was people that would not walk by the front of borderline because they were afraid of getting clowned or something. Yeah. Something like the skate team. Would, I don't remember when this became a thing and I'll go back to Borgstead at Hatcher's here in a second. But I don't remember when this became a thing, but the skate team decided they were going to start uh, juicing people like with stickers. Right. And then it went from stickers to like, they would go down to the bathroom and get toilet paper and like roll it up in a roll. So it was like maybe like 10 feet long unrolled and they'd put tape on the back and they'd go and juice a guy. And then he's got like a 10 foot stringer behind him. (laughs) (laughs) And then it became like, who could get the longest one on there? And like, it was just like constant games of all levels like that. And that's why people wouldn't like, (laughs) wouldn't want to come by because they knew something was going to happen to them or they were going to get made fun of as they're walking by or something. It was tough. It was, I think, um, you know, I think, like you said, it it was pretty intimidating to walk into borderline. I wonder if you think that was a good thing or if it was a bad thing. I think it was both, honestly. Like, from the inside looking out, like from a business perspective, it's a horrible thing. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, but at the same time, like, if you could get past that hump I don't, I don't know, how do you explain it it'd be like like learning to ride your bike to the store for the first time like it's a little bit scary but once you do it and once you've done it a few times then you're good you can just do it over and over again yeah so um that's kind of the thing and like some of the kids in there like all they wanted to do is get respect from us like they just they just wanted to be like noticed at some level mm-hmm so so from a business perspective that's a horrible standpoint and uh i think that we were a little bit more i think after i started working there it was a little bit more welcoming to get people in there because i really wanted to do good at business like i wanted to sell a ton um but i remember it, it just not being like a welcoming environment from the outside looking in <laughs> but from the outside looking in people would do anything to be friends with the skate team or be friends, like to be in that inner circle. Yeah. So I, I mean, there's a, a, a reverse psychology of it, but. It was almost like a rite of passage. For sure. If you went to the borderline video premiere and like Cody Liska said, what's up, Mike? <laughs> You're like, oh shit, he noticed me. He noticed me. 
and it like it seems so like nominal to us because we were on the inside inside orchestrating everything but from the outside looking in i think that made a a big impact on people's lives like i can remember again we're getting way off the hatcher's past conversation but there was a kid he was kind of a nerdy kid and uh he came in with another kid who was kind of i guess accepted he was known there and uh i i caught him stealing stealing a hat and i don't know if he got put up to it or if he just thought he should do that and like he started crying he was like really like, like his life was over yeah like he got rejected i was like don't you ever come back here again you know we'll, you know i told him I talked a lot of trash to him at that moment. He, ne- he started crying, never saw the kid again. And I know that that was like brutal because he'd kind of been a little bit accepted. Like we knew his name and, and you know, he probably was a little bit nerdy just in life. And like, that was kind of like a, you know, that was a win for him. And it was all gone in like a matter of minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I feel a little because bit. Because of bad. a stupid decision. Oh, for sure. I mean, anybody who thought they were going to steal from there was ridiculous anyway. Like, cause we were like Jones in for it. Just, just waiting, waiting. You know, before we get to the, oh, the yeah, Hatcher yeah. Pass story, <laughs> since we're kind of there right now is, uh, um, back then my dad would give $50 to employees if they caught a thief. Do you, do you remember that? Explicitly? I got that $50 quite often and we aimed for it. We were gunning for it. So I remember Damien and I were like, that kid's going to steal. Watch, watch. He's going to steal. And like we, I would go in the back and watch the kid through like the, the slot in the door while Damien held the front down. And, uh, I want to think either I would see it or Damien would give like a code word Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I would come out and be like, what's up? Oh, nothing. What, what do you got there on your shirt? Uh, uh, and sometimes they would just fold like a lawn chair and like start like pleading. And like, we would always call the cops because I think that was part of the 50 bucks to get the legend out that if you get caught stealing, um, like it would not be fun for you. Mm-hmm. And the, the legend back in the day, and I don't ever really know if this was true, but that Jake beat the hell out of some kid with a skateboard for trying to steal something. Oh, okay. And, um, uh, and I, I remember asking him at one point, I don't remember what his, what his answer was. I think his answer was that he never really actually did that. Like maybe he just grabbed the kids, grabbed the kid as he was walking out. But that was the legend is that everybody on the street knew if you got caught stealing, it was like being a, uh, a bouncer at a strip club. Like if you don't touch the girls, you're going to get your ass kicked kind of thing. Yeah. Regardless if it was true or not, the legend was out there and a kid stole some pants a kid who he'd known too. That's the thing is the worst is like, you knew who these kids were because he'd seen them for ages. Yeah. He stole some pants. I watched him and this is right during breakup. So the, the parking lot is like half ice, half razor blades, half everything. And I confronted him as he left the store and he just bolted. And I was like, Oh hell no. And it, it, today, gosh, I would have gone to jail. I would have civil suit pressed against me and everything. But he goes bolting, and I was like, there's no way this kid's going to outrun me. So I bolted right after him. And we got all the way through the Diamond Center parking lot, and he lost his foot. And he just fell. And I fell on his back, like coming down on him, and his face just cheese gratered into the into the ice. 
Oh. And I can still remember this guy jumps out of his car because we ran, we were running through traffic, like almost like a, like a shitty movie, <laughs> but running, like weaving through cars and stuff and like did not care about what else was going on. This guy jumps out of the car and goes, Hey, what are you doing? I was like, mind your own fucking business. Get back in your car. And he's like, uh, and then he like drove off. I was like, okay, that worked. <laughs> <laughs> so I drugged the kid back like as a, like a cop, like I had him like his, his wrist behind his back and uh he's talking shit to me like he's not gonna give up or something but i brought him back to the store and laid him on the ground and i was like put your arms out by your side so i, I, I see him because i didn't know i mean the kid was probably 15 at the time maybe a little older and uh I, he kept trying to put his hands underneath him like on the ground and i was like you get you gotta get your hands out or i'm gonna kick you right in the face like i'm gonna take <laughs> i'm gonna kick all your teeth out of your mouth and maybe it was like some badassery of like the people around watching. I don't know. Maybe it was a show off mode. I, I don't remember. But when the cops eventually came, they found out he had a knife on him. And I don't know if he was trying to get a knife or if he's trying to get it. But then the kid's dad shows up and he's in the back of Borderline. And he had we had these wood shelves back there, these plywood shelves. Mm -hmm. And they were about head height. And uh, kid, the kid's dad or the kid's looking at like at the shelf and the kid's dad smacks him in the back of the head his head hits the the shelf ledge and like you can just tell his eyes start watering not like his nose is broken but like it hurt yeah and the cops are just standing there like okay yeah i guess that's how we're gonna handle this <laughs> so <laughs> like the dad was not messing around uh I, I, again never saw that kid again uh, most of the people that uh that's ever stole from there. Like you just never, ever saw him again. Like I never saw him in town, never saw him at restaurants, never anywhere. And, uh, but yeah, I, I was like, I have to keep this, this legend alive. Like I can't let this kid just steal and then run and get away with it. Hell no. Yeah. But yeah, today we would all be going to jail. You know, borderline, <laughs> borderline would have been sued. I would have been civilly sued. Uh, probably would have made the newspaper like just ridiculous. Yeah. There was this one time, and I feel like you might have been there, but my brother Jake was there, and this guy came in, and he had sweatpants on, like a, like a pair of gray sweatpants, if I remember right, and he was just walking around, like super brazenly, and stuffing t-shirts in his <laughs> in his sweatpants, and we're watching him, and my brother Jake's just like, that dude just keep stealing and it, it was a big just, guy right i don't i he might have been okay and and so you know i think everyone let him finish doing what he's doing like in front of everybody and then this guy walks out and i shit you not there's a little bit of a t-shirt hanging out the bottom of his sweatpants as he's walking down the hall to the bathroom to try to like, you know, take all that stuff out of his pants, I'm sure. And, you know, put it in a bag. But Jake, my brother was just like, Oh, he's going to get it. And he started running. He's like, Hey, and he let him get down to like almost the, the bathroom. And I think because he wanted a running start, and so he ran and then Jake jumped up and like <laughs> Liu Kang kicked him and the guy just went just flying. Right. And the guy was like, oh, and the guy tries to like crawl away and Jake <laughs> starts ripping the, uh, the, the T-shirts out of this guy's sweatpants. And this guy's just like, 
you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, leave me alone, leave me alone. Like calling for security, like, uh -huh. you know, he, he didn't, he wasn't expecting that to happen, I don't think. <laughs> this was old, though. Like, this was before me, though, I believe, that story. Oh, it was? Okay. I, I think so, because there was another story, um, and, and Jake, like, I, I don't, I just remember it being, like, I was really mad that it was a Sunday, and uh, Jake didn't show up for work to to let it let everybody in and i had to come and open the shop because it was my day off and uh okay i remember calling jake and being like what are you doing you fucking idiot and just like just i was pissed at jake i was really mad at jake because he's like he must have been out the whole night before and like just didn't show um and then he shows up about 11 o'clock something like that and he's he's pretty hungover i believe and i was like you got to run the shop I've, I've got plans today and he's like fine 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 so I guess a guy came in and grabbed like three or four snowboards and just grabbed them and walked out like very brazenly, like no, no hiding, nothing. I think he was a big dude too. And uh, he got all the way down to like Mr. Rags and uh, Jake just bolted and just started grabbing snowboards from the guy and like was in a full fist fight. And then the girlfriend came out of nowhere and they were trying to throw things in a car, like a getaway car or something. Okay. And I, I don't remember exactly how this worked, but then Jake's in a fight with the girlfriend and they're still trying to load these snowboards in the car. And he was just like, I think the end of the story was, is he got all the snowboards back and they jumped in the car and like peeled out of there. <laughs> I feel like there was something that was said from the, the dude who was, was stealing the snowboards because Jake for like the next couple days was, I feel like he was really worried that the dude was going to come back with a gun. Oh, maybe. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds familiar. Cause I think I remember this dude being pretty like gangster at the time, just thinking he could walk in and just steal and walk right out. Cause that does sound familiar. I would have to get Jake on. I'd have to have that conversation with Jake. Cause I know he remembers it. <laughs> I remember that being like, you know, these other situations involved violence, but this one involved like kind of a next level of, of violence, uh, like potential violence in the future. Oh, for sure. I remember because yeah, there was just like this feeling of unease at borderline for like a week you know that we're going to come and get shot up yeah something like that I, I mean i i do remember that situation and i remember like i didn't see the altercation that that happened after the guy stole mm -hmm. and maybe it was that i was there the next day that that sounds more correct that i was there the next day and i was just like there was just this looming feeling of like foreboding you know yeah <laughs> like shit we gotta watch everybody where we were just like dude are we waiting for something for sure. Well, there was a time at the Diamond Center, there was like two twins walked up to the glass just outside of borderline at that entrance and tried to shoot a girl that was on the uh, the payphone. But the glass was thick enough that it like deflected the bullet. Oh my gosh. But like Stan and I, uh, or no, Stan had called me. He's like, dude, there was a shooting here today. I'm like, holy shit. Um, but he remembered, he's like, yeah, all of a sudden we heard and the whole glass just came tearing down and he heard this girl screaming and she went tearing off into was it dillard's or whatever department store was there yeah and they never found the guys and i think they or they did find them but they never were able to charge them because they were twins and they didn't know who pulled the trigger that is criminal geniuses 
Yeah, smart. I would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna shoot somebody. I'd be like, "Hey, brother, why don't you do it?" But let's all wear the same clothes. Yeah, directed by <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that damn mall, man. That damn mall. Like so many stories came out of that mall. Like I can't even walk into a mall today. Like I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate like I just know the antics that go on. I'm like, I don't want to be caught into whatever nonsense they're pulling. <laughs> Do you feel like there's still antics like that that happen? No. No, you'd go to jail. <laughs> you'd go to jail. <laughs> I mean, like, just stupid little things. I remember there was another time, I don't remember who did it, but someone took ketchup packets and folded them in half and put them under the toilet seat in the bathroom because we were just down from the bathroom. Yeah. So when someone would sit down, the toilet or the ketchup packets would explode all over their pants. <laughs> I was like, we were such dickheads at the time, but it was so funny watching like the guy come out with like water all over his pants and he's just like skirting away and you're like, oh my God. We got him. <laughs> yeah, we got him. And they had no idea. <laughs> it, it, it was almost like uh, not victimless crimes, but like almost blameless crimes. Like we could kind of do everything, do anything in that mall and not be like held responsible, I guess, to some extent. Well, it was like pranks, you know, it was like, pranks, um, pranks. I, I think that when land speed and CKY land speed, the skate oh video, God, and then yeah, the CKY yeah. videos came out, we're like, Oh, Oh, we're doing this stuff already. <laughs> we're just doing it in the mall. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was spot on. <laughs> that was exactly the time. Like this is jackass. I mean, the CKY stuff is just unreal. And like, that was inspiration for every person out there to be like, so incredibly unique and like uh like to 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 take it to that next level to take it to that next level it just didn't always make the video yeah, <laughs> or exactly. if it did if it did you were like can you not put that on the video <laughs> 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 yeah i mean like micah always had his camera there was always something i mean he was pretty judicious about what went in and like what would actually get uh get you in trouble or not <laughs> <laughs> okay the hatcher pass story with borgstead oh, and stan yeah. for sure so i still remember borgstead I, I didn't really know him that well we all went up there and i don't remember i'm not 100 percent sure like the, the the talking points that borgstead gave you on this but i remember being up there and he built this big jump and i'd never hit a jump that big ever i came from like a small like little resort in california and like i think we thought we were badasses there but boris and stan built this pretty big hip jump and he's like okay i'm gonna hit it i'm like holy shit, you're gonna hit that he's like yeah I, I think he said something about like yeah i'm sponsored by burton and you know this i was like whatever you're fucking sponsored by burton that was again i didn't know if he was giving me shit or like trying to prank me or like trying to make me gullible but i was like whatever you're not sponsored by burton and then he goes up and does like a nice big backside five and you're like oh well that was pretty cool <laughs> and, and i i think i go to hit the jump thinking that i'm you know pretty cool and i think i face planted into the jump itself and they were all so pissed at me because i put a big divot in the jump and <laughs> i think i could never hit the jump i mean it was just like it wasn't a uh a skill level i had gotten to ever in the past so it was one of those things of like learning that holy shit yeah borgstead is pretty good yeah stan has obviously ridden with borgstead in the past so he's pretty good i just came up here to never i've never hiked a mountain my entire life and we're in like 
two foot of pow and making her way up the hill to this big hip jump that he's made. And I just made myself look like an ass. <laughs> <laughs> there may have even been like some level of like back to the K2 clickers or something. I might've had some like pretty janky gear at the time too, that they were teasing me about. Um, I don't a hundred percent remember, but that, that seems oddly familiar to me too. That's awesome. I mean, that's pretty much what Borgstead said. I mean, you just elaborated on, on some of his bullet points. <laughs> I mean, I was such a gomer. I was just like, I was, I was like, I thought I was a little bit cooler than I was. Uh, and I thought I could hold my own. So I kind of faked it till I made it. And, and there's Borg doing a nice, big, smooth backside five. And I'm like, Oh, all right. I think I might be in a little over my head here. <laughs> Because we would try to just do little threes off of these little tiny jumps that you would make at the little small resort. Like, you know, th this is way before the big jumps were at Mammoth and stuff. And <laughs> just thinking that Borkstead's doing it and I thought I was on the same level and then realizing I was absolutely not on the same level. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that's, that was kind of the beauty of the shop culture, right? That everyone who kind of came in was for the most part, if you can hang and you can uh -huh. make it past that, like uh, that initial period of everyone kind of talking crap to each other and have that thick skin, then you can hang. Oh, and then, sure. then you realize like, oh, Micah's really good at skateboarding. You know, Borgsta is really good at snowboarding. And then you realize like, oh, that's another reason why all of these people are congregating here is because, you know, they're like-minded. Oh, for sure. For sure. And they were all so good. And like, I don't think we even realized, like, I don't think I even really put into perspective how good Borgstead was until he won the, the bronze at X Games. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I used to work with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then the borderline shop team going down. Oh, I don't even remember. It was a, a contest in mammoth and like winning the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I was like, Holy shit. We're, like, it seemed like our normal was just like, like our baseline was really high, Yeah, but that was our normal. And there was no way. <laughs> you know, how important do you think snow and skate shop culture was to the scene back then? I, I mean, for us, it was everything because, uh, I mean, when Mr. Rags is selling skateboards and like you can't even be friends with the, the people who work there, like, mm -hmm. or you would just be clowned out of a uh, oblivion. Um, and I mean, I remember still remember people today that were working at Northern border and went to work at Zoomies mm -hmm. and it was just like, you, they just got written off. Yeah. Like, like fuck them. We're not talking to them anymore. I can't believe that they would like turn their back on them. And it was huge. And I, I still remember too, the, the, when they were opening the zoomies in the diamond center, the manager came down and he was pretty bro and pretty cool. And, and, uh, you know, trying to be uh, trying to make some chat. And then he goes, Hey, what do, what do you think about coming to work at zoomies? And I said to him, I was like, Oh, I would rather shoot myself in the fucking face than work for you guys. <laughs> and he goes, okay. And walked out. <laughs> Because he was trying to he was trying to recruit some people who were already in the industry and stuff and yeah, I I was like I don't think they could have brought enough money to like convince me that that my whole social life would be gone yeah and I remember telling your dad 
and he just started laughing in his Scott Liska laugh. <laughs> it was just, and it was again, it was just one of those ones like, like this is, this is my life. Like you, you're going to take me away from my life and pull everything out from under me. Mm-hmm. There's no way there's yeah. no absolute way. So I think the shop culture was absolutely crucial to the scene at the time. But I mean, even if you think the lower 48 stores like Milo and, um, I mean, I can't even think of the other big ones, but it it, it seemed like it was really important to us at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, like, you know, you'd said about Bork, or not Bork, said Bertner saying that that was not normal, like for the rest of the country. Yeah. And like, I didn't realize that until you said that on the, the interview when you were with the, uh, the Alaska wild guys. Yeah. It's, yeah. I didn't like here I am 40 year, 44 years old. And I didn't realize that that wasn't normal. <laughs> I thought every shop was like that. I thought every shop. <laughs> I think that that was episode 19 of crude. And I, I had all these questions down and there was a little bit of heat behind them, you know, like a little yeah. bit of maybe dissatisfaction on my part. And Bertner just like sliced through it with the knowledge, you know, <laughs> and I, and he just, he, he blew my mind, you know, in that, in that interview. And he was like, you have to understand that it didn't exist before Borderline and it didn't exist and it hasn't existed after Borderline. You know, it was a real time and place kind of thing. And um, it probably felt like it was forever and it was always going to be like that because, you know, I was born in it, you know? Yeah. Well, it had to be. I had. I have to think it was similar outside of Alaska. I have to. I mean, like, if you think of the the skate shop that Bam Margera was probably hanging out in, I got to think that that was pretty damn close um, in, like, it, the vibe for it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can imagine walking into the shop that Bam Margera is hanging out in and him just, like, looking you up and down and talking shit because you're the outside coming in. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like, I mean, you could see it in, in CKY all over the place. Like, man, hey, you like ska? Yeah, because that shit sucks. Yeah. You're like, oh, <laughs> I walked right into that. <laughs> so what do you think about those rivalries, you know, between places like Mr. Rags and Zoomies? I, I mean, they were so stupid. They were so stupid, but that was like it gave you like something to, I don't know. It's it's like in hindsight, it was really stupid, but at the same time, it almost felt like they were taking like uh, taking food off our table. Yeah, and for what? So like, I mean, I watched your dad. You know, he he gave everything to the skateboard and snowboard community. I mean, he 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 genuinely loved the skateboard and snowboard community, and uh, you know, he was a character in his own right within that community. Um, and then to see Zoomies and Mr. Rags coming in and they're just, you know, they're making their 50 bucks and sending it back to corporate and like they're getting corporate bonuses and like, you know, the, the it just seemed so ingenuine. But I felt like, you know, Borderline may, never, may not have been the best business shop, but it was like the most core and like the most like it gave back to skateboarding and snowboarding, I think more than anything ever could. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are only buying skateboards at Mr. Rags as if we didn't have the exact board they wanted and they had that specific world industries board 
because they didn't carry everything um or their parents didn't know any different yeah but again there was i think there was some level of like parents didn't want to come into the store sometimes you know because we'd be playing whatever music we wanted <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah uh, you know, and there wasn't much censorship back then. So we were just like, we played whatever we wanted at whatever level we wanted. I mean, there was still like, and I, I don't remember who this person was, but we, we put this skateboard. It was came in an order and it said pig fucker on it. And the graphic was some guy <laughs> fucking a pig. And it, I think that we, we didn't think twice about putting wire on it and putting it on the wall at like eye level <laughs> and i think it only sat up there for maybe two hours and i remember this guy just blowing up you can't have uh, this is obscene you can't have this on the wall like this is pornography and i am a senator i'm some i'm something in like the the government and he's like i'm gonna shut you guys down and this and this and this and this and i was like whoa chill out we'll just take it down he's like that's not good enough and like just just started lighting me up and i was like okay like it's coming down that's fine like i'm not gonna fight you on this yeah and then he left and then i remember sharon had to i i, I think she was like yeah we got a a better business complaint about obscenity on our walls and i was i told i think i told your dad and your dad just started shaking his head and he goes you, you can't just put that one out there and i was like yeah you're you're right i don't know why we did <laughs> but in his you know little smirk but that was you know little things like that is what made borderline the edgy one the edgy you know yeah like we didn't give a fuck what anybody thought and again back to the legend of jake beating up a guy uh for stealing i mean it's like it didn't matter what the true story was it's like what the legend what do the people think for sure, yeah. You know, I, I remember my dad had this t-shirt that just said, don't be a dickhead on it. And, and it had this graphic of a penis with like eyes and a mouth on it. And he would wear it like kind of often. And I remember, I remember not thinking anything of it because no. it was just, it was a skate tee, right? And there was a point where my mom and this was like after my dad had been wearing it for for a while, you know, and like more than a couple weeks. And then, you know, he he comes out of the bedroom or whatever, like he's he's all dressed and she's like, you know, I really hate when you wear that shirt. <laughs> because she's a stockbroker at this point, you know. Sure. She's working at Wedbush Morgan Security and she's around all of these Wall Street people, and then here's her husband with this shirt that says "Don't be a dickhead" <laughs> with a big penis on it. <laughs> you know what though? I can still remember, like your dad would go to those Christmas parties, and he would dress up in like a, I don't, it's not Dumb and Dumber suit, but like he would. It was not in regs of what a stockbroker uh, suit is. You know, he would go a little bit wild, have a real loose tie, and. Every one of those guys, every one of those stockbrokers, like, would make a circle around him, and like they were envious of what he was doing. Really, like okay. they were jealous because he had so much autonomy and he didn't have to answer to anybody, and he really could say fuck you to anybody he wanted, or he could be nice, or he could do anything he wanted to do without any repercussions. I mean, any like, there's no boss coming down on him. Yeah, and they, I think they just looked at him as he was pretty cool for that. Uh, 
for that scene where all these stockbrokers are just like, well, you know, and I would go to see Sharon at Wedbush all the time to bring her uh, drawers full of money, you know, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just a very square, you know, environment. And then all of a sudden, here's your dad walking into Christmas parties, like looking not like everyone else with like a cardigan sweater, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no doubt in my mind that he showed up to Wedbush at some point with a don't beat a dickhead shirt. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no, like he probably didn't realize he was wearing it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it was just in the clean pile. <laughs> it was just in the clean pile. <laughs> it was that rotation again. For sure. And like, you know, the only person that saw it was Sharon. And then all of a sudden he's at Wedbush. He's going to go take her to lunch or whatever. And like the the, the person, the host or the person at the front, uh, the secretary is going, yes, uh, Miss Liska, uh, Scott's here. <laughs> Says, don't be a dickhead. <laughs> uh, I, I can picture it right now. I, I can see him just walking in, not even realizing it, and everybody like looking at him, like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, who is this street person?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if you were a new person there uh, and you didn't know who your dad was, it would probably be a little bit of like, "Why are you coming in here, sir?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Today he would just be like an eccentric billionaire for sure. Absolutely. Like I could see him walking around with a cane and like flipping it around. <laughs> <laughs> like Scrooge McDuck. For sure. With a sword inside and every so often he'd show a kid like, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you're, you're older and I don't know how often you look back on these times, but every day, what do you, oh, you do. <laughs> oh, That's man. amazing. I think I, before I ask my question, what do you think about when you think about it every day? Oh, I think how much, you know, how much I learned. I mean, like, there's so much, like, if you think about just like the business side, I remember, you know, I was going through college at the time I was working at Borderline and getting a business degree. And I can remember so many times telling your dad, like, oh, we shouldn't do it this way. The book says to do it this way. And your dad just like would look at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and like, you know, some of the stuff I was, you know, might have been right, but it didn't fit the situation. Yeah. But I, I you know, just... Like even in business, I, I, I still look back at, you know, things that your dad had taught me, um, you know, inadvertently, um, things that Sharon had taught me, you know, uh, explicitly or inadvertently. Um, and I, you know, I think back to, you know, we like we were the rock stars of the day. Mm -hmm. And it, the thing was, I was the rock star because I worked at Borderline, not because I was any good at the sports. <laughs> I was I had the affiliation with the rock stars. What? was it like working for my dad <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome i mean it really was i mean obviously there were some ups and downs and you know getting towards the end there was getting a little bit kind of like what the fuck are we doing here but uh i mean it was really awesome i think that uh he empowered us with like enough power that we could kind of make our own destiny um without letting us get too far out you know, uh, I disagreed with your dad on quite a few things a lot. Um, and we would argue about it, but it wasn't ever like, I don't know. It was never like, never got bad. Like to the point I'm like, fuck this, I'm quitting. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> I do remember that I think we got in a, a, an argument over like a broken hanger at one point and he wanted the hangers put somewhere else. I was like, we don't put the hangers there because this is more efficient. And he's like, just put the fucking hangers where I tell you to put the fucking hangers. <laughs> like it was like a, 
it was like a um it was almost like a like a pissing match that i wasn't i wasn't gonna win and i wasn't supposed to win because i wasn't the owner of the company and i wasn't you know paying for these broken hangers mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was great i mean I, I again you learn so much from seeing things go the right way and the wrong way and uh you know i like even to this day like building a community is probably the most important thing of a business like mm-hmm. nobody cares about the product someone will come in and knock off your product they'll make another one they'll make it maybe a little bit better than you but if you have a community of people who believe in kind of like your um your mission um then it becomes it becomes like larger than life and you you get customers for life yeah and that was the thing with your dad is that he built such a great community and like watching him build the community and again he was he was such a a character or is still i'm not talking like he's dead but he's such a character it's just amazing to like it was amazing that he he built it out of passion like i don't think he had a, a roadmap on how to do it yeah i don't think so either you know and i think that maybe that tiff that you were talking about between you and him just a second ago yeah um i think that you know maybe near the end there was other frustrations and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm going to be mad at this situation in front of me, you know? (laughs) Well, I I mean, I would say I did not, I was not coming off as like a, uh, uh, like understand. I think I was in the position of like a battle too. Like I wanted to win the battle. Well, that was the culture though. You know, you were talking about, you know, businesses and successful businesses, or maybe this wasn't, you know, there was no roadmap for borderline. I mean, all of that, even the cornice added to the culture of borderline and the business. Well, for sure. And you can, I mean, you can look at what your dad did and this is, this is no slight on Jay, but I think what your dad did in building the community, he did better than Jay. And then you can look at, you know, two businesses side by side, basically doing the exact same thing with people from the same genetics. And uh, I think your dad did it better. Um, I think Jay did a great job helping, you know, with that, that, you know, it was, it, it was a group effort there, but even though it was borderline and Northern border, there was still a little, a little uh, friction there. Yeah. Um, but I think as time went on, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was silly that we would have a, a, a not a feud, but like a kind of a feud with a, like his brother's company. I was like, that's dumb. So like, if we didn't have something, I would try to call Northern and say, yo, do you have this? And they would say, yeah, yeah, no. Or, you know, and then it kind of became a little reciprocal, uh, a reciprocal thing that it would kind of go back and forth. But I'll tell you what, if I knew Mr. Rags had something and we didn't have it, I don't know where to find it. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you, man. This thing just not out there. Yeah. You know what's interesting is I think that you probably brought that to borderline because I remember saying that to people. You know, if we didn't have something, I'm going to call Northern mm-hmm. and see if they have it. And if they didn't have it, I know that, you know, we'd try to find like a substitute or something like that. Like, For hey, sure. go over there and, you know, check out this board because it's similar. Mhm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we knew that Northern had stuff and, you know, and Northern knew we had stuff like there was no reason, like we're on two different sides of town and like it really kind of, you know, I guess, I guess we thought that if we ever sold or somebody went someplace else and bought something, it was again, taking food off our table. But in reality, by bringing the whole group up, we actually, everybody made a little bit more. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously be, be, being before the time of being able to mail order things yourself very easily and, uh, you know, find something, you know, we, we had to be the people who could search it out. And, you know, if Northern didn't have it, we didn't have it, then, okay, let's go from there. But I would never, never sent anybody to Zoomies or Mr. Rags ever just out of sheer spite. <laughs> so petty. It's so petty. And it seems ridiculous now that I still can't walk into like a Zoomies. And like my son was looking at some shoes there the other day. I was like, nah, we'll order them first. <laughs> I'm the same way. I can't, I can't go into a Zoomies. I mean, I still have kind of a, like a deep seated. Oh, for sure. You know, hatred for them because to me, they, they're Walmart, you know, they're Walmart coming into a city and putting out all of the mom and pops. Well, and they say bro a lot. And you're like, really? Yeah, well, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> it's so ingenuine, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's a it's a little goofy. I think I've been in one twice. And yeah, Do you giggle? And, uh, I I think I might get a little angry and then I have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh. I laugh at them because their, their pitch is still the same. Mm-hmm. It's always the same. Yeah. And it's like, hey, bro, you know, let me tell you. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, you like you're just trying too hard. You're trying to get that that uh, that uh, corporate trip to, to see Wee Man at in California. Yeah. You're like, oh, you guys are just pathetic, dude. <laughs> and, and and now I kind of have to, I guess, separate myself from those feelings because, you know, Borderline hasn't been around for so long. What is it, like 2004, 2006 was was the last year. Yeah. And, you know, there are like, you know, multiple generations of skaters and snowboarders, definitely in Alaska, absolutely everywhere else, you know, that, that don't have those like core shop experiences, you know, their experience is buying stuff off CCS or going to, you know, Evo or Zoomies or wherever, where, where people are, you know, they are saying bro. And they, they do have a template of how to act, you know? Yeah. Like, I think if any one of those guys at Zoomies tried to clown somebody, they might be removed from the floor. They'd be fired probably immediately. Oh, I mean, yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, you, you mentioned earlier uh, that there would have been like legal repercussions. <laughs> I mean, oh, like sure. that, that's like, that would be in addition, I would think to the, uh, to like the corporate you know, repercussions. <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking of so many times that people could have gone to jail for things that they were doing to Zoomies and Mr. Rags. Like I just like, and it was out of loyalty to borderline. And like, we didn't ask people to do this stuff. Yeah. And you might even remember exactly what I'm talking about, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it chopper? It was chopper. Yeah. Yeah. Chopper. Yeah. He put a bunch of poop in a bag and wiped it all over the inside of their, uh, the dressing room on their opening day. Did he wipe it? Oh yeah. Cause I thought he just left the bag. No. Oh, <laughs> I remember the, the, the same guy I told that I was going to shoot myself in the face before I worked at zoomies came down just steaming. Like he was going to beat us up. And I was like, that's not going to happen first of all. And then he goes, who's, who's the kid who left the shit in our dressing room? I was like, I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> He's like, his name's like motorcycle or, or something like that. And I was like, I have no idea who you're talking to or talking about. Like, just, you know, played completely dumb. Yeah. He was like, they left shit in there. And I was like, well, I would roll up a newspaper and hit him with it. <laughs> I would say no. I was like, that's not okay. But like, 
Chopper came in to hide into Borderland. I was like, you got to get out of here, man. Go. Just leave. Like, get out. <laughs> I don't want to deal with this today. <laughs> yeah. But, like, just, you know, you know, Chopper was a legend. Chopper was an absolute yeah. legend. And uh, He was, yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, watching him grow up from, like, again, it's like watching you, like, grow up from, like, a little kid putting stickers on your face and punching people in the balls, which you still claim is Colton. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, Colton, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm sure as a kid, I probably did, you know, similar things again with like the culture. If, if that's how everybody's acting, then, you know, as a kid, why would you act any different? For sure. Especially you. <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> I mean, like you, you don't even get to go home from it. Like you're living it. That's true. Yeah. So I've been wanting to ask you this question. Uh, about Burton orders, you know, oh my God. Um, they were just <laughs> such a big deal for sure because of how big they were, you know? So after the mall would close, we'd bring everything out into the hall at diamond center uh -huh. and we'd be there all night doing inventory and tagging it. And then we'd kind of bring the stuff back in or we'd like rope it off. I remember because we wouldn't be able to finish it in one night. And, you know, my mom or my dad would be bringing pizzas or McDonald's or whatever, just to feed everybody. But I oh, remember yeah. like, I remember sleeping in the mall often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You would nap on the little shoe bench. I, I, I can recall there that little padded crappy, like carpeted shoe bench. Yeah. I remember you napping on there. Same with Colton, but uh, yeah, you're right. The, those Burton orders would come in and they'd be like 150 boxes and we would spread it all out and you'd have to tag it and make sure everything was there and then figure out how much you're going to send to Fairbanks and how much you're going to send to Juno and then uh, reship everything and off it goes. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh yeah, those were brutal nights. But also, you know, it's like a great team building time too. It sucked, but it was like a team building time. It really wasn't that much different than like when a rep would come in and we'd have to sit after work and destroy those poor reps and whatever dignity they had. <laughs> I think their biggest mistake was to feed us beer while they're trying to teach us about snowboards and it just became a heckle fest. There I feel like <laughs> Gary Bracelin yes. was pretty good at it though. Uh, yes. <laughs> he threatened to, he, he threatened to kill Borgstead. <laughs> With, with a what was it a, a Moro spoon? You remember the 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 rails, like the they they had they had cutouts of it, and like Borg was just laying into Bracelet hard, and I don't remember exactly what was said, but Bracelet snapped, and he grabbed a piece of the snowboard that was a cutaway and just like shoved it into Borgstead's neck, and he's like, "I will fucking kill you! Shut your mouth!" <laughs> I, I, I totally forgot Gary Bracelin's name, but I remember that night and I remember everything shut down and like whatever Gary was teaching beyond that was lost. Nobody gave a shit anymore <laughs> because he just threatened Borgstead. It, it was like totally reasonable that he threatened Borgstead. Borgstead would not stop him and Stan and probably me a little bit, I'm sure, but uh, they would not stop and they couldn't get through their presentation of why moral snowboards were the best snowboards in the world. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm just thinking of that now. I remember everybody's face just like stopped and it was like, okay, you might as well just end it now because we're done. <laughs> Thanks for flying Leave all the, the way beer. from Seattle. Yeah. Thanks for flying from Oregon. 
uh, and spending all that money to come up here and it's done. <laughs> you know, Borkstead also mentioned that there was a period when it would hit 8 p.m. at Borderline and you're closing up the store and you move the benches and the racks oh, God. by the shoe area <laughs> so that they're out of the way. And you'd put on boxing gloves and box in the store. Uh, I totally forgot about that until now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 100% true. <laughs> we would... Do you remember those nights? Yeah, I bought the boxing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Gary King and got two sets of boxing gloves. And uh, yeah, I think that was like, uh, you know, the time that we were all you know, pretty fit. And like, we wanted to like just battle each other. Yeah. But yeah, that's a hundred percent true. It, and people would fall into the clothing racks and stuff and there would be customers in there sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably not good for business. I, I mean, there's always something to see at borderline, right? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Borgstead also mentioned <laughs> shooting hacky sacks out of a potato gun. <laughs> Gosh, he remembers all this stuff. That's wild. Because I forgot about that till just now. Yeah. So we built a potato gun and we were shooting people with hacky sacks. And I think they tried to shoot me and I grabbed the, the potato gun from them and then I shot Stan square in the back with <laughs> with the hacky sack and it left a nice big like hockey puck you know, shape on his back. <laughs> this is in the store, like spraying hairspray in the damn thing and just plow. I'm surprised the cops never got called. I mean, that thing was like an explosion in the mall and it echoed all the yeah. way down the hallway. <laughs> Once again, things that can't happen today that happened back then with like little or no like <laughs> repercussions at all. <laughs> I totally forgot about that till now. Stan said he remembers you and him gluing quarters to the ground in the mall <laughs> <laughs> and watching the mall trash guy try to pick them up. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. That's the little stupid shit. Yes, that's, yeah, 100% true. 100% true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you couldn't, like, we figure out how to epoxy them to the ground, and somehow they figure out how to get the epoxy off, which was, like, devastating to us. Because <laughs> the epoxy, like, we'd use the snowboard epoxy. And we thought that would be stuck there forever. And somehow they figured out how to get it up. And we're like, oh, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember how long they were there for? I mean, sometimes they'd be there for a few hours. Sometimes they'd be there for a couple days. It was just, it, it, I guess it all depends on when the janitorial uh, people figured it out. But yeah, we would have a, just, we die laughing at like the mall trash. Yeah. The kids would be walking in and they're like, oh, sweet, a quarter. And you're like, oh shit. And I think <laughs> some guy came back with a, a hammer one time because he was so pissed. He was, he was not going to get made fun of for not getting that quarter. <laughs> he was getting that quarter. <laughs> Yeah, I think he had a hammer and someone had to stop him. Like, don't just leave it, man. Just like it's that's the joke. <laughs> yeah, that's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> and he was pissed and he just like stomped off. I remember him being mad. And again, this these may not be completely accurate, but yeah, I 
those those moments definitely fall in. And you talked to Stan on this, huh? I've not talked to Stan in ages. <laughs> I didn't talk to Stan. Borgstead reached out to Stan, and Borgstead was kind of the conduit. Oh, okay. But Jesse Bertner said that uh, the pull-up bar in the shop was pretty funny. He said that there was <laughs> a thing called the pack of pain. <laughs> and it was a West Beach bag stuffed full of magazines <laughs> that you would wear and do pull-ups. And he says uh, that he thinks that you could do like 30 more than everybody. Yeah, that's 100% true too. I, I can remember it was like summertime. And I was, it was just so slow. We're just like, yo, we got to have something to do here. I was like, let's, let's get strong. So we put a, I went to Gary King again, bought a pull-up bar, mounted it there. Yeah, and we did pull-ups all day. And like, how many could you do in like a 10 minutes? How many could you, how long would it take you to do 100? I mean, we're doing pull-ups all the time, all day. And the pack of pain, yeah, we would do like weighted pull-ups. It was like a jailhouse workout. <laughs> <laughs> And I can see that white, that white West Beach bag in my head right this second. <laughs> and it was full of just old magazines. There's probably 20 pounds of paper in there. <laughs> and we could do, I mean, like, I mean, we were doing a hundred pull-ups. <laughs> do you feel like you got pretty jacked that summer? Yeah. <laughs> shout out to the pack of pain yeah we definitely got like we could do pull-ups i think they even had like a uh like the marines were giving away tickets to metallica for who could do the most pull-ups and i i think i went down and did like 37 and i think the guy who won did like 42 and he got metallica tickets you were close <laughs> yeah it was something like that I, I might be off on the numbers a little bit but it was a lot of pull-ups in a row thinking yeah. like, Oh, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going this to Metallica. Yeah. This is the moment I've been training for my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's the thing is I can't remember these stories until they come up and I'm like, Oh yeah, that, that sticks very hard. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned a few times how you made borderline more inviting and Stan said that you were incredible with the moms, not oh, yeah. like you were a MILF master or anything, but the skaters hated you because you wouldn't let them raise hell in the shop, but the moms would love you because you were so wholesome for a skate shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's pretty true. But yeah, I remember the skaters coming in and I'd be like, you guys got to fucking go. Like, just, <laughs> just go. Uh, like, don't hang out, just leave because it wasn't inviting for the moms. And like who had the money, it was the moms. So you had to make it like, you had to let the kids be welcome in there. So their moms would come in and they'd buy the stuff. Yeah. And I think we were starting to like, I think sales started picking up substantially from there. I mean, it might've been timing and everything, but um, it was just, yeah, it was like a, a more inviting scenario, Yeah. which to some extent maybe killed some of the culture. Like, you know, but you can't run a you can't run a skate shop on just like you know being mean to people you just it just doesn't work yeah <laughs> if we wanted to keep that life going um we had to kind of like find some kind of middle compromise that wasn't zoomies but was also not like you know cussing and spitting and like just raise like you said raising hell in the store yeah <laughs> and i i can remember kicking those guys out numerous times 
But once again, they didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be right back the next day. Uh, For sure. And I would let them right back in the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's so funny. I can't believe it. Do you remember when we got that fart machine and we put it in the plants in the middle of the bench in the mall and we would set it off when there was more than one or two people sitting at the bench so that they would think each other farted? (laughs) We would just, we would, we would stand at the corner of borderline and then press the button and the results were just so funny. (laughs) I mean, that fart machine, I feel like revolutionized so much. We're like, this thing exists. Technology. Yeah. (laughs) I, I guess I, I don't specifically remember the fart machine, but I don't doubt it either. Like there's, there's like no question about it. Like if someone went into the store and goes, holy shit, there's a fart machine. We're buying this. Yeah. We have to go to KB toys right now. Right now. Like we'll get three of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, just like this stupid shit. Like some kid would come in and be like, his little sister's like, I'm a gymnast. I'm like, can you do a backflip? Yeah. <laughs> then do it. You should do a backflip. You're like, oh shit, here's a sticker. <laughs> yeah. People would do anything for stickers. Anything. 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 Like, man, hook me up with a sticker. I don't know, man. There was a guy one time accused me came in the store fuming that we took all the world industry stickers off the world industry shirts to sell them and he was like you're supposed to give me a sticker you're supposed to come on the shirt and he was hot like he was gonna fight someone i was like here's a sticker he's like i don't want the sticker now you guys are doing unethical things i'm like uh we we buy these things i don't know what to tell you man Like, like, you know, even though we had the, the character of people who like hung out there, there was a, a definite character of people who shopped there. Yeah. Like people that were like one time and gone kind of people. And you're like, holy shit, that was an experience. Like Stan almost fought a guy because the guy goes, yeah, my kid's got a skateboard here and I'm supposed to pick it up and pay for it. And Stan's like, we don't have a skateboard. And the guy's like, look, guys, just give me the fucking skateboard. He's like, we don't have whatever skateboard you're thinking about like we don't have anything and the guys he just starts raising his voice with stan and that that does not sit well with stan he like he liked to fight and he goes look motherfucker we don't have your goddamn skateboard and starts walking out from around the corner and uh i mean this dude was like a, like a weird you know alaskan cowboy kind of guy and the guy's just like fuck you guys and like the whole it was like a, almost a whole melee the guy walks down the hall. 15 minutes later, he comes back with a skateboard. He's like, sorry, guys, it was at Mr. Rags. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would never have come back. Yeah. Good on him. <laughs> yeah. And I remember Stan going, okay, it's cool. It's cool. Like, it was like a, all right, well, now we found our middle ground and like who was right and who was wrong here. And I win. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that, that it definitely... Um... You know, it was, it was punk, you know, like the whole thing was, was very counterculture. For sure. And I think that just by the nature of counterculture, if it's like a true counterculture, it rubs people the wrong way. You know, uh-huh. I, I know that, you know, earlier you said that maybe Borderline wasn't 
as a business run the best way. And I remember, I'm sure you got these phone calls too from bill collectors. Um, and <laughs> How deep do you want to go into this? <laughs> but I know that I, I would be in the shop and I would hear, you know, my dad tell him off in his, his unique oh, way. And then, and then I think that, we would absorb that because, you know, I would hear you do it. And then, uh-huh. and then I did it uh, a few times, only, only maybe once or twice when I answered the phone at my house, which you never do. You never answer the phone at our house ever because it was always <laughs> like a bill collector or somebody wanting you to do something that you didn't want to do. Yeah. And so I picked up the phone this one time. I was home alone. Uh, I, I, I think I was like walking down the stairs and I heard it ringing. I'm like, oh, I'll answer it. And I just like dipped into my parents' room, answered the phone. <laughs> and and uh, it, was a, it was a dude from a company. And he was like, hey, uh, let me talk to your dad. And I'm like, oh, he's not here right now. And I could tell there was like, this guy was heated yeah. right off the bat. And I was like, okay, I just want to get off the phone with this guy. <laughs> and he was like, put your dad on the phone. And I'm like, he's not here, dude. Like, he's really not here. And he's like, listen, you little cocksucker. And like, you find your dad and you put him on the phone. And I just gave it right back to him. You know, I called him a cocksucker. Of course. And, and I slammed the phone down. And I was just like, kind of felt good, you know? <laughs> well, you knew you weren't going to get in trouble for it. Yeah. I mean, and he brought it. You know, like, I was like a kid. I was probably, I was probably like... I don't even know, 10, 11 years old. And like, I mean, I would assume this guy's like in his twenties or thirties or something like that. He's working for a snowboard or skateboard business. And he says that to a kid. I'm like, this guy's like, <laughs> he's on a whole nother plane of anger. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no way it, it just started at that level. That's the thing. Oh yeah. True. I'm sure he like, I'm sure he like really pumped himself up for that phone call. And he's like, I don't care who answers, they're getting it. <laughs> I don't know how they had your home phone number, honestly. <laughs> I don't think we ever gave that out. But it was just, you're right. <laughs> that is funny because, like, you lived it. You were, like, you never got to go home from it. That's the thing. It was always there. I mean, like, going all the way back to, was it Pennywise stayed at your house? Or Suicidal Tendencies. I, I can't remember who it was. There was a bunch of them. Um, and whenever those those people, like, you know, whether they were performing at a Borderline event or whether they were my dad's buddies, you know, it's like, all right, Cody, Colton, Jake, Derek, like, <laughs> you guys are sleeping on the couch tonight. Like, my buddies are taking your rooms. <laughs> and it was like, it was, it was funny because initially we were just like this is ridiculous and then even our mom would be like this is ridiculous but then <laughs> but then somehow it kind of made sense and maybe we just made it make sense to ourselves well i mean that was your normal yeah i mean that's that, that was exactly it i mean not every kid wakes up with suicidal tendencies in their house <laughs> and that was like that was like right when they were hot too like i don't know why they were staying at your house but um, and I don't remember who it was. I, I, I legitimately cannot remember who the band was that was staying at your house. Well, a lot of those bands were really uh, kind of enamored with the the skate and the snow culture back then. You know, you had For like sure. No Effects, you had Pennywise, you know, Suicidal Tendencies, um, even 
Adam from the Beastie Boys came up and went snowboarding with my uncle Jay. You know, like yeah. those guys were just like, I want to go do it. You know, I want to go up to this wild place. Yeah, and that's even when it was more wild. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I, I I forget a lot of those people. Do you remember or still use any of my dad's sayings? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I can't. Like I can't. I mean, nice. That that one like. That one just sticks you. And like you holding that heavy nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's some that like that still come out every every now and then. That you, that you just it's like a involuntary like statement almost. Like how else do you say it? Or <laughs> Oh my god, I just had one that hit me. Oh, I forgot. I, I forget it now, but it was yeah, there were some classic ones that still still stick. And I think that a ton of people still use them, like tons. <laughs> I hear them come out of myself when I'm not even expecting it. And, you know, my wife, Carrie, will be like, you, did you do that on purpose? <laughs> I'm like, do what? <laughs> well, once again, you you know, the, the furthest you've gotten away is Colorado. I mean, you still have phone calls with them. Oh, I mean, yeah. I haven't talked to your dad in 20 plus years. Um I mean, I still like it, it, it's like arrested development. <laughs> Scott to me is like still this person that's like, you know, again, a, a content factory. Like if you were following him around with a camera all day, you'd probably get some pretty golden like sayings. Absolutely. You know, yeah. we, me, me and all my brothers and my sister were just uh, in Anchorage for my brother Colton's wedding. And it was, you know, there was no moment where when all of us were together, you know, my mom, dad, sister, Kiana, Colton, Derek, Jake, you know, me, just like all of us <laughs> together. It was just like a laugh riot. You know, someone did or said something funny or had, you know, like a quirky perspective on something or, you know, I believe it. It was, it was, you know, there was a point where my mom was like, Hey, come up to the house. We'll all have dinner. I found a bunch of VHS tapes oh my and God. we watched home movies. You know, there was a big piece <laughs> of it was their wedding. And this was, you know, I'm running around with a mullet and a, and a tux. At I know like, the picture. I know oh, you, this okay. picture. Yeah. At, at, I, at I like remember. four years old. And um, I'm pretty sure we saw Brady Farr and his dad in, in the video. And it was just oh like, you know, what's really great. What, what hit me about it is like, it was, everything was just so connected. You know, everybody was just so connected. And I mean, I, I guess it, it must've just been because of borderline, you know, and, and that scene. And it's, it's interesting and cool to look back on those old videos and be like, we were all there, you know? And, oh, and yeah. it's, instead of like trying to remember it, it's, it's really great to have like these, these things that you can look at, you know, whether it's a photo or a video and you're like, yeah, that's like proof that it happened. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you know, like the, the videos are one thing. Cause I mean, we were, you know, we were all pretty much drinking all the time. I mean, your dad was, I think when I got hired at borderline, uh, your dad was like le legit dying in the hospital. Yeah. And like, they weren't sure if he was going to make it. And I remember your mom, um, doing all the power of attorneys and stuff. 
So, I mean, there's, you know, there's that side and then like Jake and Derek, I mean, they were full throttle there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, I, I don't think I've hung out, but you know, I've not had a conversation with either of them since they quit drinking. I mean, I, I, I'm beyond happy for them. They both look, you know, happy as all can be. They all got kids. They seem to be doing pretty good in life. Like, like it's just wild to see it kind of come full circle from like, you know, seeing your dad basically dying in the hospital to like Jake and Derek again, full throttle. But man, the content that came out of that and the sheer laughs, mm-hmm. like I, I can remember just so many times my stomach, like my abs cramping up. I'm doubled over like about <laughs> I'm crying because it hurts, yeah but I can't stop laughing. And just the, the sheer, like, I mean, they, they were their own characters. I mean, your dad is his own character. Like it, he it wasn't stealing people's jokes is what it was. Is he, they just became jokes all of a sudden. And you're right. Like that was their own thing. I mean, even going back to like the, the whole skate team, they were all kind of their own people too. Yeah. Like <laughs> they all had their, uh, like their quirkiness to them. I mean, Micah, I mean, I, that, that could be a story forever. Anthony. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of those guys, I mean, even down to, uh, Mitch, um, not Mitch Edmondson. Yeah, Mitch Edmondson. Yeah. Got his hand bit by a piranha at a party because he decided to stick his hand in a piranha tank and then it got grossly infected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some of the gnarliest stuff I've, you know, seen of that stuff. And they were all their own, like, I mean, they're all the same, but they were all very different. It's kind of wild. Yeah. They're different variations of like people in the same scene. You know, Mitch. I think Mitch really surprised all of us because he'd only been skateboarding for a short amount of time. And it was like, he was getting clips in like six months or a year. And it was just like that natural ability. Oh, I didn't even know that. I mean, honestly, he just showed up one day and all of a sudden he was part of the crew. And I'm like, okay. I mean, there was a few guys that just like appeared out of nowhere and like, there was no turning back. <laughs> yeah, they just fit right in. Oh, they did for sure. I mean, even back to the uh, Ginsu. Like, he just kind of showed up to me. But, like, again, you know, I didn't live in Alaska the whole time. Like, I lived I lived in California and moved to Alaska. People swear I went to school with them in Alaska. And I'm like, no. You know, people swear swore I uh, smoked weed with them. I was like, nope, I never smoked weed. They're like, no, we totally did. I'm like, no, that's not true. <laughs> Like the, I think people put me in places that I was never at because I, I don't know. I, again, it fit, it all fit. Yeah. And same thing with those guys too. Like, um, I, I, I don't think I ever realized that Jay Kuzma was like a Eagle river kid for ages. Like he, to me, he kind of just showed up, but like in reality, he had been there for ages. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there was a lot of guys that I, I didn't know their backstory or how they ended up getting there. And they just showed up. It was kind of wild. <laughs> yeah, and that way, Borderline was just kind of the magnet. For sure. And once you were in, you were in. Like, I, unless you got caught stealing, uh, I think you were just, you know, you were always welcome. Yeah. And there were actually, I feel like, a few people who were caught stealing, but they had, like, some mental issues going on some mental health issues going on and for sure you know we were just like we acknowledged it you know for for how like brash everyone can be we were all super open-minded when i when i think back on it 
Yeah, I yeah, that's I agree. I mean, it was kind of one of those things too. Is it if we weren't making fun of you, that was a problem. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, and 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 that that goes across a lot of different industries. Like if if I'm making fun of you, that means I really like you and we're having a good time. Um, no matter how gnarly the the chirps get, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but the second I'm just like, yeah, you're you're pretty cool. You know, you're surface level until you're gone, and then you're out. Like, there's no investment there. Yeah. Oh, it's wild, man. It's so funny these stories too, because again, they come back, they come back, and like they seem so vivid all of a sudden. <laughs> it, it just that that picture of you in the tux with the mullet. Like I, I can see it right now. You almost had like a little mini mustache too, I think. And those dark ass eyebrows. (laughs) They're still there. That's all I have left. That's good. Yeah. You're all face now. I'm all face. You got nothing. You got nothing to hide. (laughs) You know, I'm not sure how much you want to talk about this but you recently had a cancer scare yeah yeah and it's still there i guess we're uh still working on it but yeah i this is like it was funny because uh i remember when uh because it's testicle cancer and i remember thinking that uh this would probably be some great fodder for uh for derek like he had a nut removed like that would be the best thing for Derek. <laughs> that was that was my first thought of that too. I was like, Derek is gonna find this so funny. <laughs> Wait, my brother had a nut removed? What's that? No, no, no. When I got my nut removed, I was like, I think Derek is gonna find this so funny. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like he's gonna have so much, like, you know, so much material to go with this. And I think I ended up telling him that and he's like, That's not funny. dadhood has softened him Uh, yeah well i mean he's like yeah you got cancer man that sucks but yeah yeah it's a it's a i guess 90 you know 95 percent of people don't ever die from this um i've been pretty fortunate i haven't had to go through chemo or radiation yet but i guess for like the next five ten years i have to get ct scans every like three months and they reevaluate how um you know, if it's moving or if it's doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I think I purposely put my head in the sand and just like pretend it's not happening. Um, where my wife is like forerunning it cause she's a nurse and like, mm-hmm. so she handles kind of any of the questions and I just kind of sit back and let her handle it. Like, it's almost like it's not my problem. So it's probably not healthy to do it that way, but I think that's, uh, how I've chosen to, to deal with it. Cause I think if I think about it all the time, I'd be like bummed for my kids. I'd be bummed, you know, just for like life in general, but it's, I don't know. You lose a nut. It's kind of funny. Like the hockey team thinks it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that there's no right or wrong way to go through these things. You know, like I might be the same way. Yeah. If, or when that happens to me, because you know, if I dwell on something negative too much, it becomes all consuming, you know, and sure. I can't think about anything else. But if I just remain in the present, you know, just for today, I'm going to do this. Well, I mean, like, I mean, I can dwell on it all day and like, it's not going to change anything. Um, or I can keep doing the things I like to do until I can't do them anymore. And then, then that's like a new, a new reality, I guess. But 
I mean, I remember when I first found out, I just, you know, I just didn't sleep. Like I didn't sleep. I was probably like a little depressed, a little bummed, but you know, I think it would probably be a little bit different story if I was, uh, if it was like a terminal kind of thing. Um, and I don't know, maybe if it was a terminal thing, maybe I'd go balls out and be like, okay, let's do everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but since it's kind of like a, like it doesn't feel like it's real cancer, I guess is the thought of it because in first world countries, people don't die of this thing. Okay. It's just like an inconvenience. Yeah. You said 95%. Yeah. It, it's something like that. Um, you know, they've, they've told me over and over again, you know, the, they give me statistics every freaking week and I'm like, okay, I get it. So I'm not going to die. They're like, no. And uh, somehow my wife ended up reaching out to the same doctor who um, cured Lance Armstrong. Oh, okay. Um, I don't, I don't totally understand how that connection was made, but we had like a telephone conference with him, like a no charge. Like the guy just deals with testicle cancer. That's his jam. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, you'll be fine. He's like, you might be a little sore from some surgeries from time to time, but uh, you'll be fine. So I guess at the end of the day, I, I've got it kind of easy in comparison to, you know, some other people that I do know that have not made it or like are in the position of like, they're not going to make it. And that's a, it's kind of a bummer, but you know, it is a reality of, of what's, you know, <laughs> getting older. Yeah. But I still feel like, you know, I'd rather be hit by a bus than, you know, go down this like slow grind of uh, going away. Yeah. Just fading away. Just fading away. Yeah. And then, then what? <laughs> yeah. Then what? Then Derek can't make fun of me anymore. <laughs> you hear that, Derek? <laughs> yeah. D's, no more. <laughs> Borkstead, you're done. No more laughers. <laughs> How did you find out about it? Uh, well, it's kind of like unrelated things. It was, uh, my testicles were like hurting one day and I was like, uh, I should probably go get this looked at. But the thing is, is like with nut cancer, you don't like, there's no pain. It's unrelated. So I went in, uh, and got a referral and then like for like six months, I forgot about it. And then it happened again. So I went back in and they had me like in an ultrasound the next day. And then the day after that, they had me in surgery. So it was like. It was like pretty obvious and apparently I'm a little too old to be having it. Like most people are like 19 to like 25. They get That's it like really? the common age. Yeah. Huh. So I'm a little on the outside of the uh, statistical outlier of, of getting it. So it's one of those, it was kind of a weird thing, but um, yeah, I guess uh, at this point they took the nut out. So I'm like one nut Matt. Yeah. <laughs> one ball, one ball, Matt, yeah, one which ball unrelated, Matt. unrelated. And this is a complete segue is it? I thought for the longest time, your uncle was one ball. Jay, you know, what's like, funny I... is I think <laughs> I did too. <laughs> and this is the, the snowboard wax. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember hearing a story about a guy who like did a rail or something and popped his nut. And I was like, and I thought I remember him being from Alaska and I, I just, vaguely remember that and maybe i made it up in my own head and like in my head for the longest time one ball jay was jay liska yeah and i wondered why he didn't talk about wax more <laughs> <laughs> like this is your business like what are you doing you're killing it right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> everybody sells this stuff <laughs> yeah i think i even asked him one time and he goes no like he must have looked at me like i was the stupidest idiot in the world <laughs> 
<laughs> it was clickers all over again. Oh, it totally was. But I was in I was in a, in a little too deep for him to be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I still remember again this is another segue story. Your your uncle and I were on the same plane going down to SAA in Vegas. And uh, he was talking about business and something. He's like, oh, you got to read this book. And he handed it to me in the beginning of the flight. And I handed it back at the end of the flight. And I finished it. And he goes, how the fuck did you finish it so fast? I was like, I'm in college, man. I got to read books fast. He goes, I'm dyslexic. I'm dyslexic. This had taken me months to read. And he just looked at me like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny to see his face like he finished it on a two-hour flight or a three-hour flight from vegas <laughs> i think i would be blown away too I, i'm a pretty slow reader i i feel like i read a lot but uh yeah i'm pretty slow yeah i hate reading like i really hate reading so i try to blow through it as fast as i can and get the 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 talking points yeah the spark notes <laughs> yeah so I could I could re I could talk to him about the book a little bit, uh, but if you wanted to get in too deep on it, I probably would get called out. <laughs> you know, the last thing I wanted to tell you is that after you and I figured out a time to do this conversation, I sent a bunch of texts to people. You know, that's where all those questions came from, and I swear I haven't ever had people respond to me so fast and so positively. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. That means a lot. That means we had fun. My mom said you were the best manager Borderline ever had, uh. that you always had a great attitude, you were always a good salesman, and that you're smart and you're honest. And when I told my dad that you were on the podcast or you were going to be on the podcast, he said, that's a great idea, which is, <laughs> if you know him, that's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. My brother Dees said you were and are a true entrepreneur and a salesman. Ugh, you have an awesome. insane work ethic, even when you were young. And he said, like me and many of the other employees had a horrible work ethic. And he definitely <laughs> resented me for it. <laughs> but I didn't That's give a true. fuck. But Derek said he didn't give a fuck. He still called him TG. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tall and geeky. Tall and, and they geeky. Still they made fun of me because I had some size 14 Nikes when I first started working there. And they were horrible. <laughs> they were like the biggest, clunkiest, like Herman Munster shoes. Borgstead said that he remembers after winning X Games, he called the shop and talked to you. He says, he says that was mainly about how much he valued the shop and wanted to tell someone from the shop or get the news to the crew somehow. But it was you who answered, Matt. <laughs> and he ended up talking to you. Yeah. I, I don't recall the conversation, but I, I remember the event. Borgstead followed that up with, and I feel like this is a good... <laughs> it was, it's actually sweet. He says another sweet thing. He is uh, a sincere person. I, he really I, is, I yeah. The end of the earth. Yeah, shout out to Borgstead. But Big he said... Time. Above all the shenanigans and bullshit, the thing that he will always remember about you is that huge smile and that you're a great guy. He's always been fun, happy, and kind. 
<laughs> is that for real? Like, hold on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> waiting for the other joke. No, that was that's it. But that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know the best thing about Borg said that I remember like there were so many times I thought he was being a diva about X, Y, or Z. But like in hindsight, he was so spot on on so many things. Mm-hmm. And like uh like I remember he had asked your dad for money for the video, for the borderline video. And I remember thinking, like, why the fuck? Are, like, just make the video. But, like, in hindsight, that's what you did. And that was great marketing for the place. And, mm-hmm. like, I remember he was, like, a little ahead of his time. And then, you know, there was another time. Like, this is one very specific time. I was so mad at Borgstead because he was just – I thought he was being completely unreasonable. But he wanted a red carpet at one of the video premieres. And that red carpet was going to cost like another $300. It was some, it was like a really nominal number. And I was really trying to be the best, like budgeting for this thing and making sure it made a lot of, you know, made money and we all had a good time. And I remember thinking after I did it, like that red carpet was exactly what it needed to take it to the next level. Yeah. And like, it was such a nominal cost for him to see, you know, he, he'd seen bigger movie premieres than that. And like, there was no need to go really cheap, like as cheap as possibly could be. And I just, I can specifically remember being like, God damn, he's a diva. And I, why is he being so unreasonable here? And then in hindsight, he was a hundred percent spot on. And it actually made the event like the little, the little things about it is what, what really, uh, you know, made it. And like, you know, just as a person over time too, you know, beyond even just the the movie premieres Mm -hmm. but just like little things that he would put in and i would totally disagree with and then in hindsight i'm like ah he was he was right he was right he was right damn it he was right (laughs) you know everyone remembers that red carpet too i know that's the worst part is he was so right (laughs) for like 200 bucks or 300 dollars or whatever that number was (laughs) that's great it's like he was he was spot on I, i mean you guys got fucking pulled over in that motorhome like a block away yeah and i'm just watching down the street the cops talking to you (laughs) but then as soon as that motorhome pulled up it was like pandemonium like rock stars again we were on the back side of the rock stars yeah (laughs) man those were great times they were great times and we had a lot of fun we did yeah i mean but the culture, I got to say this, the culture from Borderline carries over in some aspect in every part of this, like every single part. Like even my business partner, I clown him mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. It's absolutely phenomenal. Hey, you know, he has thick skin, but I'm not trying to bring it like I had, you know, like we had to mm-hmm. with Derek and Jake and Borg <laughs> and everybody involved. <laughs> so you're saying your business partner is getting it easy. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe I'm soft. I don't know. Maybe I've gotten soft. I think we all got a little soft, but I think that it's good. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you kind of grow up a little bit and you probably shouldn't like bag on everybody for every single thing they do in like corporate culture. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't mean that we're not thinking it though. Today was the day I got fired. Yeah, today was the day. Oh. (laughs) You're right. You're thinking it all the time. There is definitely times where my kids will 
say something and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to hold off on that one. Yeah, I got to text it to a, a buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was all like this. <laughs> oh my God, this is so funny. I mean, this, this literally, this conversation could carry on for, for days on random stories of different things and just, it just, it'd be ridiculous. I, I, you know, I know Borgstead had talked about potentially making a movie about borderline kind of like clerks. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know if everybody would get it. That's the problem. Like, I think, it doesn't I resonate think they with might. everyone. I think you they think might so? get it. Yeah, I, I do. I think that there are enough people, not just in Alaska, but probably everywhere that understands, you know, those that understands the importance of these local shops, whether it's a snow and skate shop or whether it's a bakery or whatever, right? Like I think that people, people could identify with it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's a work family, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And in some cases you spend more time with that work family than you spend with like your real family. And also these people at work, you know, in some cases will go beyond what your family will do. Yeah. In some cases, I mean, like, I think of like the restaurant industry probably has a lot of similarities, mm -hmm. um, except for it's being run by, you know, a corporate manager or something like that. Something, someone who's always looking at the bottom line. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like the person who was looking at the bottom line at borderline was always Sharon mm -hmm. and that didn't always trickle down to us. It was just like, we had a good day today. Yay. Like we had no idea what kind of financial situation borderline was in at any on any end of the day other than bill collectors calling yeah my mom was definitely keeping things together behind the scenes oh for sure <laughs> <laughs> for sure she was i remember your dad being out on a boat like he's out on the boat and like something kind of major was happening and like we have no way to get a hold of scott I'm like, oh, I've got to call Sharon then. <laughs> <laughs> and you could just tell that, and I don't remember the exact situation, but I could just remember her being like, I don't really want to deal with this. Because <laughs> it was just like, it was probably the same story over and over and over again. And it, and it was like affecting her work at doing stockbroking stuff. Yeah. Like, like that she'd have to like cut out from her part of the day. I'm actually surprised that, you know, her bosses didn't say anything to her because she would sometimes have to leave work to come handle the problems at the store. I mean, it's incredible when I think about the amount of work she was doing at, oh my God. you know, at, <laughs> at such a young age, you know, late twenties, early to mid thirties. And she's holding down her career, you know, a career, as excelling a stockbroker in her career yeah excelling exactly yeah one of one of uh only a few uh female stockbrokers in alaska at the time mm -hmm. and then simultaneously running you know borderline or not maybe not running it but making sure that it doesn't implode <laughs> <laughs> But that's what every business needs. You know, your dad's a dreamer. Yeah. And he, you know, he's, he's definitely a dreamer. And then you have to have someone who kind of reels it in a little bit and kind of keeps an eye on like what the, like, what is it going to take to keep the doors open? Mm -hmm. um, and you have, you kind of have to have both. 
And uh, dreamers can run businesses right into the ground if they don't have somebody to kind of, you know, check them a little bit. Yeah. So that's, uh, I mean, it really like it, in almost every business I've seen that, that succeeds that the dreamer is the one that gets it off the ground. The, the numbers person is never the one who can make the connection and make the loyalty, make the group, make the organ, you know, make the, the, the community. The numbers person just doesn't do that. It's, it's, that's boring. Mm-hmm. But the dreamer is who makes people feel like they should be there and make it feel like they're there for a bigger purpose. Yeah. And your dad was definitely that dreamer, man. Absolutely that dreamer. And your mom kept it in check as best as she possibly could. Man, you know, I agree with you. I think we could keep going. Oh, for um, sure. <laughs> but you know, I two. think, yeah, part two. <laughs> You know, I, I want to thank you, Matt. You know, I, uh, sure. I I just, I love these conversations, getting back in touch with people from the borderline days. And it's kind of like my treat to myself, you know, when I'm, I'm interviewing these other people who I, uh, you know, who I admire authors, For sure. photographers, journalists, you know, other people for crude. And I love those conversations, but this just gets right back to my childhood and you know we're all like you know nobody else gets it nobody else understands it i mean i again watching you be a little kid grow up i mean in the house like it that's awesome i mean it was there's obviously some positives and some negatives growing up in that in that kind of scenario but like it's made you who you are today and i think that's phenomenal Mm -hmm. yeah do you have anything else you'd like to add i don't think so I mean, there's probably something that this could carry on forever, but <laughs> should probably at least call it, make a hard stop. <laughs> you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash crude magazine. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine crude conversations is written hosted and produced by me cody liska for crude magazine music was produced by alcoda beats 